Wow, I turned down that music really quick, didn't I? How are you today? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. I'm, I'll give you time to uh, answer that. Well, it's once again, as it started out a little rainy, stormy day. Lots of water down here in the Keys. Lots of activity in the Atlantic. Uh, I don't know if it's coming our way or not, and we're not concerned about that until it gets a little closer, closer, closer. Closer. We don't want to be closing. Well, business is back to its normal for this time of year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the activity in the Atlantic and the traditional times it slows down, which is fine. Uh, it's going to slow down a lot more when all the places open up in the next week or so. So we got probably one more weekend of a decent uptick because everyone's being funneled to the couple businesses that are left open. I actually, um, as a note, I just want to mention that I did not check the explicit box because I am endeavoring not to quote, use strong language when I don't have to. And I'm just seeing maybe that'll help with the listenership. Who knows? Who knows? Because... Obviously, the listenership, I love my listenership that I have right now, but I'd like to get a little more broader, let's say. Who am I? Who who am I to suggest that I would like a larger audience? Well, I like a long, I can suggest that because that's me. Do I deserve one? That's on another topic, though. That's more of an objective question, not a subjective one. If I'm correct in the usage of that. This morning when I woke up, I tell you about my routine. My girls during the week, uh, my wife and daughter, they wake up at 6. She takes the daughter to school. Sometimes I take the daughter to school depending on who's going to be, has to be in that area at the time. Abby works south of the gym we go to, so she goes there earlier sometimes. And if I'm working late, sometimes I go a little later to the gym and I pick her up from school. But uh, one of the routines is whoever gets up first, and today I did I make some coffee, and I turn on the, the news, the local news. The local news is a lot more upbeat than the national news. And I want to talk about with these inadvertent things that I love. That's what I love about live television a lot of times. Just like doing live shows, I mean, I don't script everything. I just come up with some topics I want to talk about. One of the things I want to talk about on this local station in Miami, NBC News 6, they had just, I think they just finished the weather report and they went to the traffic report. And they have a woman who's relatively new, I think, doing the report. And the weather guy just mentioned how, about during the weekend or end of the weekend that the humidity level is going to drop. And the traffic reporter came on and she goes into it. She goes, well, I really love it when the humidity drops. You know, we can leave the windows open and the doors open at night. And then off screen, you hear this man's voice. You leave your door open at night. And the woman got a little flustered. She goes, no, no, because I'm like, and it was hilarious. I love that. It's just like, (laughs) I can't believe it. I, I imagine it was the weather guy who said that, 
or the producer. It's, it, whoever, whoever said it, said it in not a sarcastic way. It's almost like, I can't believe you just said that. And I absolutely love that moment. And that just set the tone for my day. And I could... I could just ride on that for the rest of the day just thinking about it. Just one funny, happy thought. And since I have you at that, I received a phone call yesterday from the rest uh, from a customer, obviously, at the restaurant. Not on my private phone, on my business phone. Phone rings. I pick it up and I say, hello, this is the catch. And the woman on the other end goes, hello, you are open. And then a follow-up comment, you you are open. And then I went into my patented, which I know I do it a lot. This is a recording in the event of a real opening, a live person would be answering the phone. And I just got quiet. And then I go, beep. And the person starts laughing. And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, obviously, you know, you you could be working on the uh, restaurant. You could be just a guy painting. And I said, if I was just painting, it was just to be an answer machine, would it be answering? The painter should not be answering her business phone. And the person goes, you're right. And I didn't even think that through. But I thought that was fun. I did get people, another couple came in, and the guy leaned forward and goes, hey, I see the sign you have up there. You serve dolphin." And I said, we serve anybody that has any form of legal tender to pay for food. And he just looked at me and I said, no, okay. They didn't quite get it. So I said, you know, I'm not going to try any other attempts of humor if you can't get that. We serve part. We, yeah, of course we serve a dolphin. No, no. And other times when someone says you serve dolphin, yeah, we serve bald eagle. We serve all sorts of endangered species. Manatee. Uh, but... That, uh, not that dolphins are endangered right now. They're on the watch list, I think, maybe. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's on a sour note. Sometimes I may have to change up, come up with new material, I guess, when it comes to these questions. I'm always waiting for a new, I need a new question so I can give a different patented response. You know, I can just go quiet. That's a good one. Or we can go, no, no, we're not, no, we're not here. Like, I know that that would help. No, no, of course not. We're not here. There's no one on the phone. That would be an answer. I don't think it's as good as that answering machine one. Last week, a very good customer of ours and friend, Mary, was dining at our establishment, and she asked the that the owner, if we can get the hold of the owner, Kathy and I, for a picture. And I said, okay, yeah, sure. You know, and when anybody who's a good customer and friend, if they want a picture, I go, okay, come on, you want to get a picture with us and stuff? No, we want to get a picture of you guys. And we go, oh, okay. And she goes, listen, they're doing something, something for local businesses that are community-minded. And I thought that was nice. It came up, so I got Kathy. I said, Kathy, I think you want to be in this picture. Let's get a picture. And this week they posted the picture in one of our local papers. And I posted it as a, on the title page of the show, the episode. And 
I thought that was uh, very nice. That was really nice. And I think most of the businesses in at least Key Largo and most businesses in almost any community are concerned about the health of their community. Right? I mean, there's only a couple businesses, uh, legitimate businesses, that probably wouldn't be concerned about the health. I mean, even though when I say legitimate, a business that makes money, I imagine drug dealers don't really care about the health of their community because a drug dealer needs it to be kind of a you know, dysfunctional community in order to be a good environment for them. You know, prostitution, drugs, whatever. They need it to be a dysfunctional community for their business to really thrive. But most businesses want a healthy community. And what do you do to encourage that? You help help out the community. You help out with the drives that they do. And it's common sense. It's common sense for businesses to want that. If you don't agree with that comment, just take a look at a lot of places uh, where the towns kind of just died away. In the, you know, oil boom towns, like mining towns in the Old West and things where these towns just disappeared and people moved to a big city and they lost their population. You know, you know there's towns that where you drive down the main street and everything's boarded up. Everything's boarded up. And you just it's, it's just sad. Seeing a, a community that's dying, it's, it's a sad thing. Though when you come across a vibrant community, it's, you know, it's bustling and things are going on and people are walking down the street. Uh, there are... Tons of those, and there's tons of dying communities too. I understand that. And as a regular citizen, I imagine you want, I would expect that people want their community to be thriving. When I was living in Pennsylvania, my grandmother grew up in western Pennsylvania, uh, closer to Pittsburgh, but still about an hour away, an hour and hour and a half away from Pittsburgh, but closer to the the, the Ohio border. I, I We lived in Philadelphia, which is right on the Delaware River and right next to New Jersey and Delaware and Maryland. So there was a distinct difference in it. My grandmother came from more of a rural community. I was able to say that word. I can't believe that. But right where she lived... There were two towns on either side, one to um, both about six, seven miles apart. And one was Reynoldsville and the other was Brookville. And my grandmother's family identified with Reynoldsville. And I think it was a little closer, just a mile or two closer. But I remember as a young adult, and this is when it's a young adult, you know, 30-something years ago, going into Reynoldsville, and I noticed that it had all the kind of like trappings of a community that was in decline. You see businesses closing, places not painted on Main Street, a lot of convenience stores and things like that. I mean, off Main Street, you had you know, nice houses and stuff like that. But the main street, that's always the, on these small towns, that's always your, it's kind of like the face of the community. 
like if that community is, is stressed or anything like that. And that's what it seemed like when you go to Randallsville. Well, a couple times I went to Brookville and Brookville had this kind of, it's a wonderful life. Uh, what was that? Something Falls, Bedford Falls look to it. The main street of Bedford Falls, you know, all the businesses were operating. They had the, the main, I, I guess, town hall with a, a clock in it. Beautiful brick-lined sidewalks, um, parking meters, the one-penny parking meters. This is it's almost 30 years ago. I don't know if they have it anymore. They have a nice hotel with little restaurants there and, and things like that. And it just looked quaint and healthy. And I was always struck by just the diametric opposition of Brookville and Reynoldsville just by going down the streets, that main street. And it could be different when you go off main street. They could be exactly alike. But I I looked at that and I said, wow, I would definitely go to Brookville. And we'd go there for homecoming and we'd go into Reynoldsville and they had a little carnival and stuff like that. And I would say, well, why don't we go to Brookville? Why not go to Brookville? Then this is a town 280 miles, uh, Reynoldsville and Brookville, my grandmother's hometown. It's 280 miles away from Philadelphia. And it was a world away for me. But it did have that small town feel. Now, I live in Key Largo now, the Upper Keys, to uh, Monroe County. And I think part of it is being a, on the furthest fringes of the southernmost part of the continent. I mentioned our geographic location, but there's a uniqueness to the Florida Keys. And there's a decent amount of long-term residents left, but a lot of the young people just kind of move away because of economic opportunities, chances to go and see the world. When you're down in the Keys, like if you're in Key West, you're not seeing a lot of different things other than Key West because you're a 100 and 25 miles away from the mainland. Their mile marker zero and mile marker 126 is the, where overseas highway gets onto the mainland. And you're you're not seeing much difference down here except in Monroe County. So people feel kind of isolated somewhat. I'm not sure what it would be like in a place like Alaska, Ketchikan, Alaska. I know we have listeners in Ketchikan, Alaska. Uh, but they people identify closely with their community and people that are long-term residents. And they're proud of their community. Sometimes they get kind of disappointed. The U.S., there's no secret that the U.S. is very partisan right now. I mean, you call it the left and the right, conservative, liberal, whatever, People have different views on how we should operate our government. And they have very strong views. But there's a lot of things, especially when you think about the community, that people agree on. There's a lot of things, no matter what they're... A a lot of things that good citizens, whether on the left and the right, agree on. And that's, let's say, good schools. If someone says, I don't give a shit about the 
oh, no, I just ruined it. I got to check it. I just said shit. And he said it twice. So that's why I have to check explicit. Maybe I don't. I don't think I have to do that. They say that on their facts. I don't have to do explicit. You're all right. I don't think there's going to be a bunch of kids getting up in an uproar about it. But if you do not care about the schools, if you don't want anything to do, I don't have kids. I don't care about the schools. Well, that's a selfish thing. There's a circle of empathy. If you're a complete narcissist and you just care about things that affect you and not your neighbors, like your neighbor has kids and you don't care if they have safe schools, you don't care if some of the poor people here, their kids don't get fed, then, yeah, your your views are going to be different. And I'm going to leave the judgment of that obviously you're not a believer in any religion because most religions would frown upon that view that you know other people you're not your neighbor's keeper and you're not community minded most most religions or belief systems <clears throat> excuse me one moment uh, most belief systems have you know caring about your your neighbor in there and doing things for your community so and then a lot of believers and non-believers have the same feeling. So schools, roads, community safety, community beautification. Like the roads, you don't want to have potholes. You want to have safe intersections. You don't want like a big hole to be at the corner of your street, which I currently have here at Palm Drive. There's a big kind of divot at the corner coming off Route 1. And matter of fact, I may call there and say, I'll, maybe I'll make that a thing, that our county's really not doing anything about. Uh, but it's not that our county doesn't care. They may not have the resources for it. And they say like this, well, that's not our thing. Well, who's in, it's, a, it's a roadway coming off the highway. Now, I think the highway's part of the state, but our local roads are probably county and where they intersect there's probably like a entanglement of who's in charge there but that's important too like people you don't want your neighbor to drive up and destroy their you know their alignment on their vehicle or cause their tire to get destroyed that's a small thing Um, but the way we feel about our community and how we're concerned about how healthy our community is shows how much we you know really care about others so i mean if you're kind enough to open a door for someone that means you're you're you understand politeness and concern for another person out your side yourself so being community minded should not be that unusual i had discussions with people when it's interesting people have limits to where they're concerned about their fellow person. And a lot of people will say, well, it's, it starts in my neighborhood. I care about my neighborhood. And then I care about my town, Key Largo. I shouldn't do that. And then, 
oh, the county, Monroe County, it's important. Like people say, well, that's Key West, this is Key Largo. I really, you know, they, they do too much. They get too much resources down there or Marathon or things like that. And then people say, well, my state, my state's really important. It's really important to me. I'm a, I'm a citizen of Florida or a citizen of the United States. I care about what happens to someone that's, you know, in Alaska or Hawaii. And then you can be a citizen of the world. Caring about other people. It's all, cons- cons- it's all depends on your, what you put under that tent. Like the tent, uh, it's, it starts out with yourself. And then it's your family. Or, you know, if it's just, just you and your girlfriend. Or boyfriend, whatever it is. Or you and your family. And you and your neighbors. You and your town. And it just spreads out the bigger the bigger umbrella and who who who's in it. I'm not talking about where you're fretting every day that someone in India is not doing so well and you, you but you can be concerned about that. And I've had discussions with people say, I can't believe we send resources over to other countries when we can't take care of ourselves. Well there's walking and chewing gum, we call it. Being able to we should be able to do things that take care of our community and other things and then be able to take care of other things in the larger world outside. Um, I think Norway, Sweden, and those countries kind of are examples of that where they take care of their citizens and their citizenry and they also are big donors in, in foreign aid compared to their, you know, as a percentage of their gross national product or their, or their gross revenue. They're big givers and they, they take care of their community and they take care of the people around them. And you, we've seen people like that, people with very big families. And they get, you know, you have a very big family and you say, well, listen, I, got, I just got to take care of my family first. Well, yeah, you do have to make sure your family gets all their basic and secondary basic uh, needs met. But, and a lot of times, if you're struggling for that, it's really hard to do anything else. But you can also care. You can care. You don't have to necessarily do anything about it. You can care if you're struggling. Just care about your community. If you're not struggling, it kind of makes sense. I don't care what kind of situation you're in. If you're in a gated community, like a gated community north of here, Ocean Reef, there is a community fund where they actually donate money to projects outside their community. So it's a community fund, the, the Ocean Reef Foundation, that they, they've given money to our local park down here, the Key Largo Park. As a matter of fact, I think someone, I don't, I don't want to speak out of term, but I think the the aquatic center we have there was mainly funded from some one of the members of Ocean Reef, which is technically part of Key Largo, but they have a, a gated community. It's interesting because they're gated. They're shut off from the rest of the community physically with a gate and security guards and police force. But they also pay the lip service 
of taking care of other things, sending money to other organizations outside the United Way of the Florida Keys. They'll send money to the they'll fund scholarships for children that aren't their children, which is basically with schools. Now, think about it. You may not have children, but your tax dollars go to educate other people's children. Educated, undernourished, underprovided for group of people would actually be detrimental to your community. So almost everything you do for the health, it's like caring for a tree. You just don't take care of the leaves or the trunk or the roots. You take care of the whole tree. And a healthy tree can withstand certain vicissitudes of weather, like high winds and things like that, because it has a strong root system. And uh, if it has a healthy foliage, it, it, it feeds the root system and things like that. And that's the same thing for a community. A strong education system, security system, and infrastructure, roads, lights, things like that. Or being able to grow healthily. Now, that's unique to the Keys because so many people want to move down here. And they tried, there was a moratorium supposedly that was recently supposed to kick in to restrict growth because of the sides of our arteries. When you see arteries, we have blocked arteries in the Keys. We have four-lane roads coming into the Keys. Not necessarily overseas highway. That's a two-lane road. But we have two two-lane roads coming in the Keys. One from Cardtown Road, right up near the mainland, and the other is called Overseas Highway. And when it comes into Key Largo, there's a four-lane road, two, two lanes going south, two lanes going north. But when you get down to south of Tavernier, it becomes a two-lane road. And that's the hardening and blockage of the arteries. So during high traffic times, the busy times of the year when there's a lot of traffic, it slows down and becomes major league inconvenience for people coming in and coming out and becomes actually life-threatening when you think about people with life-threatening illnesses that have to make their way to the mainland, have to get to, have to, get to doctor's appointments, have to get things they need to survive. So... We keep on adding housing units and things like that, but they do nothing for the roadways, which they really can't. I mean, it goes from four lanes to two lanes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to block. It's just one of those things. I think a child, if you explain to a young child, a six-year-old, and say, listen, you're going to give you all this room to drive vehicles going south and almost some are going to restrict it. I think a six or seven or eight year old would be able to figure out and say, that's going to be a problem. And it does. And it, there's more and more people as you go, you know, the bulk of the population lives south of that two lane convergence. And so when they're coming, when they're coming back up, they deal with the Restrictions when everyone has to leave, if we ever have to evacuate for a storm or some other cataclysmic event, that will be a problem someday, eventually. Uh, today, it rained a lot. And some of the roadways get really flooded. I mean, we get like three, four, 
five, six inches of rain, just standing water. And it becomes hazardous when you're driving 45 miles an hour, 45, 50 miles an hour, when you run from a, a road that doesn't have any water on it to, to a, a, you know, six inches. You, you know, you can worry, worry about hydroplaning and things like that, especially bigger trucks. You can see that. So it's not perfect. It's not perfect. People are concerned about their the health of their community. People say, well, listen, we got to have, we have realtors. We have construction people. We have to be able to have a healthy business environment. Well, maybe at a certain point we say, listen, we, we have enough buildings. If they need to build anything, they may have to build worker buildings. Because part of the problem, and uh, they, all, they always do, you, you see this all the time, where they do traffic studies. And the traffic studies um, gauge how much traffic is going and when the traffic is going, what direction is traffic going. But a lot of time, when you don't have affordable worker housing, a lot of people have to come from the mainland, and that contributes to the total congestion. Obviously, people living in the Keys will still have to travel, right? But if you had affordable housing, you wouldn't have to travel that far. Some people might choose and say, well, I work, I work 40, 50 hours down here. I'd like to live down here, but I can't afford it. So it's a consideration to have. If you're really community-minded, you may want to consider that for our local listeners that we want. Uh, it's not we're trying to restrict things. And I know, hey, listen. I have a side business that is dependent on property sales, meaning I do loan closings. And having more properties for sale is more opportunities to have more loan closing, loan closings. But I'm also a member of the community and I care about my neighbors and how long they, how long it takes them to travel to work to and fro or if they have to get their kids up to an appointment at on the mainland to the children's hospital or something like that in Miami, it's important to them. So it's competing. And that's where the partisanship ends when you think about what's good for my community. And then, obviously, we talked about it getting bigger and bigger. How big is your community? Is it just around you a couple miles? Or is it the whole globe? And that's the difference. And then, Obviously, the partisanship really occurs. Is how do we arrive at these goals that we share? How do we arrive at it? Do, do, do businesses handle it or do the government handle it? Do businesses have their best interest or government has the best interest? You know, there's an argument to be made on both sides, free enterprise or government control. And there is an argument to be made. I'm not... I'm not here for that today. Okay. To finally sum things up, there was a new story that made me remember some of the topics we had prior in the prior years here. And one was about karaoke. And I, I when it first, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, when I first was exposed to karaoke. It was in some movies. It was a Japanese phenomenon. Of, uh, that karaoke was a thing that they would do in bars. You pick up and they sing people's songs. Well, some woman 
got thrown out. What's her name here? Celine Vargas, I think. She got in a fight in a karaoke bar in Miami because she would not give up the mic. And then she threw a bottle at someone's head, cut it open. And I said, oh, that's rather extreme. But then I, when I was looking up a little more on that story, I found out a slew of those. In, in the Philippines, I mean, I don't know if they're exaggerating or not, but they had several deaths associated with karaoke clubs. And one was associated with one particular song, and it was Frank Sinatra's My Way. And he said, so many lyrics in My Way are somewhat aggressive in the way it's sung, in the way they sing them to people and stuff like that. You know, um, there were times I had a few when I bit off more than I can chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I da-da-da, and da-da-da, and I did it my way, whatever. But yeah, there were people shooting each other, beating each other, stabbing each other, and it happened mainly in the Far East, Philippines, in specifically, but they've done it in China. In China, they banned recently this summer, they banned the singing of certain songs, certain songs that celebrated the existence of Taiwan or protest or about not going to school, about practicing civil, civil disobedience. I, my problem with karaoke, even though I participated in it and done it before, and if I, I would do ornate ones where I'd bring up dancers behind me or backup singers. And I'm not that good a singer. I really re- realize that. And it pisses people off. It pisses people off sometimes when you have, when they go there and they're, they're cheering each other on. My problem with it was where you have people that are, style themselves really great sing- karaoke singers and they think people are coming there for themselves. No, they're not coming to listen to you sing. They do not come every week to hear the same song, to hear you sing Jesse's Girl every week. No, they go to hear themselves or their friends or the laugh. That's why they go there. Because after hearing Jesse's Girl 50 times, I think they're pretty much done with that. But they're, they're looking, it's, it's a total selfish thing. And people used to go, I used to see them, and they acted like they were divas. I told you about the pirate singer who made up a song about pirates rum. This older man. He used to come with his wife. His wife never sang, but he, he fancied himself a lyricist and a songstress or whatever you want to call him, a crooner. And he had a, uh, a, a voice that I can only say was much like my voice, which was not very good. And he, uh, one of his songs was Jimmy Buffett wants to have my life. And the answer was No. No one. I mean, there there are people that probably want to have his life, but if it's people probably in maximum security prison, people on their deathbed, they say, I'll take any life, and even that guy's life. And he made his own CD up where he had, and this was 10, 12 years ago, so he photoshopped girls in bikinis around him. You got a picture of this guy. He was 
at the time he was 80 years old, with the captain's hat, I think, and a Hawaiian shirt, and a photoshopped 20-something-year-old girls in bikinis around him. And, uh, and it was photoshopped. It was poorly photoshopped. And so Jimmy Buffett wants my life. No, he doesn't. Um, Pirate's Choice Rum. He, he had a brilliant idea that he would write a song for Pirate's Choice Rum and then try to sell it to Pirate's Choice. And if he had been a little funnier about it, he probably could have sold it. He said, Pirate's Choice Rum, that'd be a great way, great commercial. He got this guy who's 80 years old wearing a captain's hat and some girls around him and stuff like that. If he pitched it like that, but he pitched it like it was a good song and he was serious about it. And you know where certain people don't get the joke, the inside joke? He didn't get the inside joke that his song was very funny. And then eventually Pirate's Choice said, please stop singing that song. Because you're afraid, you know, they're afraid to say, well, listen, we're afraid that people will think that you're actually associated with us. So you had Pirate. And then you had this other people that come in there and they change the words to the lyrics. Uh, I had once dated a woman. And I, oh my God, I, we were Going, she had a uh, apartment, kind of like a in-law suite next to the main house, but she, the kitchen was shared. And we went in to get some bottled water. And I walk through the living room, and I noticed that there were microphone stands and microphones in front of the television. And I said, oh, what is going on here? And she mentioned who it was. And at the time, I was working part-time at this big tiki bar, the farthest north tiki bar inside the Keys. Uh, And I had filled in a couple nights on karaoke night where I staunchly did not like to work at karaoke night, even though I didn't pay attention to it and I talked as much as I can and try to keep busy. Because karaoke night ostensibly, at least around here, is on the slowest nights because they can't figure it, they can't get a band, they don't want to pay a band, why don't we just pay some guy 150 bucks? And he could just do karaoke, sit around for four hours and let people come up and sing. And the guy lugs in his equipment, passes out his books, and then goes and leaves, right? While these people come in and sing these songs and stuff like that, and it turns out one of them had, they practice. They practiced the song I was listening to. And I said, well, that was the last thing I expected because I didn't think they were that great a singer anyway. And you practice for that? I would just say, hey, listen, I just created this at one time. No, right now. No, no, you, you, you actually practice that. I always thought that was amazing. But as it turns out, I was terrified when I saw those microphones. I just wanted to get out of there. I felt like one of those people that found evidence of a satanic ritual someplace and the whole coven had left, but they could arrive at any time and put you under a trance. And I was afraid if I stayed too long that they may come in and start practicing karaoke in front of me. So I went back um, when I got out of there. Uh, I was I was ready to... Uh, 
you know, I was just hanging out with the girl. You know what happens when you're hanging out with someone you're seeing and stuff like that. So uh, she said, well, maybe they'll come back and we can listen to them singing and stuff like that. And I go, oh, my God. You know, I look at my watch. I said, I got to go. I got to go right now. I didn't realize that. I have to get, I got something I have to go to when I'm pointing at my watch. Oh, my watch. Yep. Yep. My, uh, and I go, my roommate has this hospital thing I have to take care of. And I look, I just got out of there so quick. I was terrified. I don't think I ever went back. I'm pretty sure I didn't want to go back. I'm just like, you know, you want to come back to my place? Nope. I do not want to come back to your place. I do not want to be, I, I, I acted like someone who had, one of those dungeons that serial killers keep, like Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. I acted like I walked into that, and there was a hole, and the, the microphones was a hole, and I was going to be the girl in the bottom of the hole that has to put the lotion on his skin, or it's going to get the hose again. And that is my feeling of karaoke. I'd like to thank you for listening today. It was excellent talking to you. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and family. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's Keys Bartender. And if you have any questions, you can send them to jim at keysbartender.com. I got three episodes out this week. This is episode 506. If you want to look at the picture attached to the episode, the, uh, the picture is from one of the local newspapers. I'm not exactly sure. It could be the Free Press or the Keys Weekly. or something. I think it's probably from the Keys because they, they're they the only ones that do it so quickly, the uh, the local newspapers that do it. And, you know, who hey, who reads newspapers anymore, right? Well, I do every so often. I always, I'm always hoping that there's going to be a news item in there, not just kind of like a paid advertisement. I'm not suggesting they just do a paid advertisement, but you can figure out what I'm saying. Thank you very much, and have a great day, a great weekend. And, uh, well, I know you can listen to this non-sequentially. So uh, you have a great Monday if you listen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Bye for now.